0: Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. I'm your host, Sarah M. Chapel, and we are joined today by truly like the brilliant, one of my most favorite people that I've gotten to work with, um, both as a customer of hers. And as a guide for her, uh, Sharon Wagner of Swale Studios. Uh, Sharon, welcome. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. And it's such an honor to become a part of your illustrious guest list. I love this podcast.
0: Illustrious. I don't know if anyone's ever said that about us before. I'm (laughs) blushing. Thank you. Anytime. So Sharon, you are um, an amazing, brilliant graphic designer. In fact, the person responsible for the new Holistic Business Academy branding that all y'all have just seen in our, our relaunch. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you
1: do. Yeah. So I am a brand designer and I define that as, uh, you know, the person who does the overarching bird's eye view level of what your brand looks like. I don't do the strategy. That's, uh, you know, talk to Sarah about that. (laughs) But uh, I, I work with the visual consistency of the brand. So not doing your individual Instagram posts or things like that, but saying, okay, this is how your website and your Instagram posts and all these things are all going to match with the same colors and the same fonts and the same lighting in your photos. Just across the board, creating... A brand that visually resonates with the message
0: that and your strategy and i mean you don't you don't prefer to work with just anyone you like to work with special kinds of people
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah uh yeah i mean i came from you know corporate advertising world and you know, it's, it's hard to do fun projects and take risks in projects there. And you know who really likes to take risks and work with <laughs> big fun ideas? <laughs> Fucking witches. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the direction I'm going in these days. Um, and it's been a ton of fun.
0: Um, I love that. I love that you, I love, this, first of all, one of my favorite things about you and your work is how clear you've gotten on specifically what you do and what you don't do. Um, and I just want to, first of all, like a little claps for that, but it's it's something that so many people are afraid to get clear on that level of like, no, I am not the person who makes all of your Instagram posts. Um, I think a lot, of, a lot of small business owners have a hard time having kind of really clear boundaries around their skills and how they want to implement them and then who they want to implement them for. Uh, how did you get yourself to a place of, of Giving yourself that much clarity around what you're doing? Um, well, frankly, I've actually been thinking a lot about
1: this in context of what you've been talking about lately in terms of creating a business that sustains you and supports you. Um, what's the term? The minimum minimum vi- viable vis- business? Yeah, minimum viable <laughs>
0: business, my, my favorite concept.
1: Yeah. It was really about identify what my uh, zone of genius is, if you will, and the, the work that I really love and my favorite part <laughs> of my job, which, um, you know, I spent a little while, I spent about five years in, uh, you know, working full time at ad agencies, and then went more to freelance. So I had quite a bit of time to do, to have to wear a lot of different hats, especially at smaller agencies, um, where I'm doing literally everything, design. Design-wise, I'm making brands. and I'm also doing keynote presentations for people, right? Um, so I had a lot, of, a lot of time to really nail down, like, okay, this is my favorite part. This is what I'm best at is this high level uh, visual thinking. And um, you know, I got to a point with freelance clients, especially when it came to, okay, now I'm working from home. You know, pre-COVID, started working from home all the time. <laughs> mm. I got to a point of, okay, I, like, if I can, if I'm getting paid to do what I want to do, and I have full control over, over my own schedule and my own hours, I don't want to spend those hours doing stuff that I don't enjoy. And for me, the stuff that I don't enjoy is those little nitty gritty, like, okay, we're going to design 15 Instagram posts. Like, uh, for me, that's that's the stuff where it can be really satisfying if you, you know, sit down and batch it all out. But that wasn't the kind of work I wanted to be doing for clients anymore. Um, i I want to be in charge. And a part of it, too, which maybe I should have started with, <laughs> is um i I like to be at the high level. Um, I don't really enjoy following someone else's brand brand guidelines. <laughs> that's why I don't work with people anymore who already have brand guidelines who come to me like, oh, I just need the Instagram posts. You know, I, I, cause then I see these guidelines that someone else made and I'm like, I don't want to follow this. And that's just how I think there are plenty of like very talented designers who are excellent at following guidelines. And I can also follow guidelines to be clear. Like that's what I spent my whole career doing in a lot of cases, but it's not what I want to do anymore. It's not what I enjoy. I prefer to be the one writing the guidelines.
0: I love that You're like, I am capable of following guidelines, <laughs> but I choose not to. Exactly. <laughs> Hard relate, Sharon. Hard relate. I I love this because we start to see that. I mean, I imagine for a lot of outsiders, there's probably folks don't necessarily understand. Maybe people listening that these are even different jobs. Mm-hmm. That um that that creating a brand guideline and the the visual language and communication of a brand that's actually a different job than creating graphics for day-to-day use. Yeah, 100%. And I, I I, like just hearing you talk about this because I know that for me too, it's been a challenge over the years to, to not do the things that I don't want to do because people will ask you for them or uh, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, well, I could be making money doing that. Maybe I should do that. People want it. A big one for me is Facebook ads. People always want me to like run their Facebook ads for them. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I can, but I don't want to, like, I haven't been able to think of an amount of money that would make me want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I, I so appreciate that just like as our, our starting point, which is that you, you can choose what you want to do within your field and build a business that's actually based on what you are best at and what you enjoy. That's awesome
1: yeah totally. Um, and it really came down to also pinpointing the type of people who I want to work with. Um, I find it much more enjoyable to work with people who share who share my interests in witchcraft and are interested in taking risks and uh, you know respect me for that as opposed to being like the very weird designer in this meeting with someone who's making a product that I would never use, (laughs) you know, and being like, okay, guess I'm doing this. (laughs) Let's start with witchcraft.
0: How did you become a witch?
1: Well, (laughs) um, I will say, you know, I started as, you know, as many witches have their origin stories rooted in their childhood. Um, I definitely had an interest in spirituality as a little kid, um, and, at the same time, I it's like I grew up in a household that was both religious, like church every Sunday, but also uh, a lot of like science and science fiction. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I love it. I grew up with this like split, this like dichotomy that I was always trying to navigate, and it wasn't really until I was an adult that I was brave enough to say, "Okay, now it's 2013. This is a thing. Tarot is a thing." Let's see, like, let's see what this is about and starting to follow that instead of, like, I, I had a very strong, like, skeptical side, again, coming from the science part of it, um, but at the same time did have a deep feeling, <laughs> you know, about spirituality, and I knew that, you know, uh, like, I, I grew up, uh, I was raised Lutheran. And, but I, and I knew that wasn't, wasn't it for me, (laughs) but I always found those spiritual conversations and everything very interesting. Like I had a pastor who was actually really cool and did things like guided meditations and stuff that I always found interesting. But again, like the Christianity part didn't quite jive. (laughs) Um, So uh, then, you know, fast forward to my twenties and I'm in this corporate advertising career and incredibly depressed and losing my mind. And uh, Tara really helped me out of that. Um, I know you have a similar, uh, maybe tangentially (laughs) related story of like, you know, you find yourself in this place where you're like, I think I'm where I wanted to be, um, making a ton of money at this job in New York City. And uh, this is is it, right? (laughs) And you're deeply unhappy and dissatisfied (laughs) with your life. Right. Um, So again, this is like 2013 by the time I came to tarot and, uh, you know, one of the first people I started learning from was also Carolyn Elliott, like her influence course. Um, That really dropped me right into witchcraft. Um, And I really did it very independently. I didn't really have any friends who were interested in it at all. And just slowly kept deepening this over the years up to the point of now
0: working with you in (laughs) in 2021. Yes. Which, yeah, <laughs> now, it's there's. I know this is true in other places, but it does feel like such a specifically New York thing sometimes. Where you hit that, you like, you move, you go to New York, you get your dream job, mm-hmm. you start finally making enough money to pay your bills, and then you're like, I hate, I hate <laughs> everything that I was supposed to want. And yeah, I have a very similar story of like finding terror around that time and being like. Oh, there's a whole other world here. Weird. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to quit. <laughs> I'm out. Quit <Quitting> this world. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> so, all right. I love this. Raised Lutheran, but with guided meditation. That, that does sound pretty cool as those things go. We definitely did not have that at the like extremely sterile country club of a Presbyterian <laughs> church that I was in. This is not the first episode where I I ranked on uh, Presbyterians. i sorry if any of you are actively Presbyterian. They are my least favorite of all of the traditional Christian Protestant.
1: <laughs> anyway, how did you come to be an artist? Oh, man. Well, another thing I've been thinking about a lot recently is the connection between uh, intuitively intuitively gifted people and witchcraft and uh, the arts. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, personally, recently, I've been reflecting a lot on how I came to this place, especially, you know, when you start working for yourself and running your own business. And I recently rebranded as well as Swale Studio, as opposed to my full name. <laughs> Thinking a lot about where the initial desire to, to work in a creative field, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, for me, I realized that uh, art and writing were one, that was one of the first places where I felt that I could access my intuition and those gifts. Um, I think it it started as, um, you know, a deep frustration (laughs) with like, okay, so, you know, again, science heavy household, oh, if there's a right answer to everything, then that's not interesting to me. What about the stuff that I can make up? (laughs) What about the stuff
0: that's in my head?
1: (laughs) What about the stuff that there are no rules for? And that's always what I've been drawn to. And so and, and, and it was also, um, again, Science of the Household, they didn't really fucking know what I was doing with art and writing. <laughs> they were kind of like, OK, cool. That's that's interesting. All right. And I could kind of do whatever I wanted without any criticism or being bothered about it. And learning that oh i'm I'm good at painting and drawing, oh, this is great now i can I can be praised for this, and like I know a lot of artists have a similar story in that way of like, oh, I realized that people would compliment me for for this, so I kept doing it <laughs> um <laughs> so I kind of took that in and, and so it became you know both like a form of self therapy, which again, I think is the case for a lot of artists, oh, this is the one way that I can that is accessible to me right now for me to work through my own emotions Um, and then got to art school (laughs) like fast forward to like I decided yes I want to be an artist I want to be a painter got to art school realized that I then had to talk about my feelings and I was like okay I don't know about that. So, and so what ended up happening is I actually had um, some like design software skills from being on my school paper in high school. And I realized, oh, if I go like the illustration graph design route, that's more like technical and more vocational, then I get to use that. I already know how to do this. Okay, great. And, and no one's going to
0: ask you about your feelings no over feelings.
1: there. So great, which is ironic because now my whole thing is that design directly creates feelings. And you do, in fact, have to talk about a lot about your feelings <laughs> to have a brand that actually resonates and connects with people.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm, it I'm like, <laughs> do we, do you know a single person who went to art school and like, <laughs> like was okay with that? <laughs> um I know people
1: I no longer talk to it's it's like yeah it it, again like the whole again I don't know if it is the the New York thing or what because like I went to Proud Institute in Brooklyn so a lot of us stayed here I don't know it's it's again it's like okay yeah we're going to take something that's deeply rooted in your feelings and make it a System with a portfolio and qualifications, and you're, good, you're going to be constantly judged on this for the rest of your life. <laughs> Sounds like a great career. Like, <laughs> so yeah, an experience for sure.
0: <laughs> I did. I did one year of drama school at Tisch at NYU, and I had like that exact same feeling where all of a sudden I was like, no, no, I'm at theater school to. The other people's feelings. <laughs> I was like, "This is." I was like, "Why is this about me and my feelings?" And like, after a year of rolling around on the floor naked talking about <laughs> my feelings, I left. Um, and that was <laughs> the most accurate statement of drama school. But yeah, it, it, it's very funny, and I think a lot of folks who are extremely like emotionally and intuitively gifted probably get to that place in college if they have if they were raised by people who didn't understand yeah. that. Um, yeah. And are like, are like, yeah, art expression is not a is not a. It's not a safe place for my suppressed emotions. (laughs) Sorry, gotta go.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, and I'm realizing, too, I know, like, quite a few ex-Tish people. Again, like, this um, this specific, like, creative to intuitive spiritual witchcraft um, space. (laughs) It's, like, a very specific trajectory that I've been seeing and I think is really interesting.
0: okay I was like okay I'm like bring it together Sarah that was like 15 years ago you're still alive it's okay <laughs> if you talked a little bit about it but I'd love to get a little bit more clear what actually is then branding because you mentioned now that it is a lot about feelings like oh shit um <laughs> but what is branding and what like what do we need to know about that as business owners
1: yeah so um again the technical dish definition being, um, you know, the bird's eye level, consistent, what you see on the surface is the colors, the superficial parts, the typefaces. But the thing about the superficial parts that are just the things that you see, they're just on the surface is that they're also communicating in a subconscious way (laughs) because uh you know things that you see visually are in fact like a sensory experience that is directly related to both like physical and emotional feelings so um you know you have your strategy and your messaging and you can have your copy all written perfectly and it's super interesting and it grabs people's attention and that's awesome And that's one level of communication that's very conscious. Like if you have to think through language, that's usually a more conscious process. But subconsciously, you're also seeing what it looks like. And that's often a more immediate reaction for, um, of course, sighted people. Um, So you have two different levels of processing there. So, you know, I liken it to in magic where you have yes okay i'm going through the motions of (laughs) of um my my spell and i have all the corresponding things and the candle in the correct color and you know that superficially okay this is like symbolic but at the same time there is a subconscious layer things are changing subconsciously and your your uh subconscious is processing like yes i chose this candle color because it connects with this specific intention and it deepens and anchors your intention.
0: You know, I think something we talked about before that I'd like to kind of like start to wrap in is like, as a beginning business owner, how should you be thinking about something like branding versus like the more you, we haven't said this today, but like the more established people that you work with. So for beginners, um, the first thing that I recommend is
1: getting really, really clear on your strategy before you get to branding. Um, (laughs) And this is like an unpopular opinion, I would say for a lot of designers. Um, But uh, honestly, it's like, it is one piece of the puzzle. I am never going to tell anyone that branding will literally solve all your business problems. I don't think it's the place to start. I think you need to start with Strategy. And that is why I only work with people who are pretty established because they already have their strategy. They already have their, um, they they know who they are (laughs) to deeply simplify it. Um, You know, they know who they are, what they're saying. Um, And if you're just starting out, then like, yes, consistency is great. But if you're like having a a visual consistency is great. Um, But if you don't consistently have your messaging and your strategy and know what you're doing, then we cannot build a consistent
0: brand on that. Mm. Yes. I think about our process of um, building the new HBA brand and the idea of having done that even like a couple of years ago, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had no idea what it would be. I couldn't, I couldn't have, I couldn't have even told you what it was supposed to be or who it was for. Um, but that's a place that I see a lot of beginning business owners get kind of confused by is think that in order to, uh, have sales that they need to look professional and that Mm -hmm. being professional is equal to having like a fancy brand.
1: Right. And I think this is also where design gets a bad rap in this idea of like, oh, it's just superficial and it's a time suck and you don't really need to worry about it. It's not that important in that uh people when people do choose branding as a thing to focus their attention on before they have their actual foundation of their business together, then no, it doesn't work. <laughs> then it's not gonna work,
0: you know. Yeah. And I mean, just, you know, keep it on our, our, our spicy chat. Like, honestly, I think it's a place that people waste a lot of fucking money before they validated their business ideas. Yes,
1: absolutely. And that's like, oh my God, this is like a huge, huge spicy opinion in the design community. Where, uh, this is like design world tangent, but recently um, Fiverr acquired Working Not Working, which is supposed to be kind of like an elevated um more uh exclusive platform for freelancers so i don't know a single person who actually got hired from it Side the point <laughs> but um but it's supposed to be like a, a pretty exclusive like creative friendly creatives first um you know platform for hiring and and sourcing creative talent which is great um and Uh, So Fiverr recently acquired them and Fiverr having a terrible reputation in the, in the design community because no one wants to make a logo for $5. (laughs) No. (laughs) You know, and, but since I've been more in the entrepreneurial space with, with people who are starting small businesses from scratch, now I am (laughs) more open to this idea of like, yeah, Fiverr and Upwork and all that do exist for a reason. Like. The five dollar logos on Creative Market and Etsy do exist for a reason because you want to have something when you're starting out. Absolutely, and you don't want to sink all your money into a brand that you don't even know if, if you're gonna if you're gonna like. You know, let alone the expense of it. Um, if you're not making enough money, enough profit to um, invest in a $5,000 brand design, then please don't. <laughs> um, and I have no problem with telling people to go, hey, yeah, go to Creative Market, go to Etsy, see see what resonates with you there before um, you invest $5,000 with me in something that might not actually be resonant with you in a few months.
0: It's such a funny place where there are actually a lot of things that you shouldn't invest in if your business can't sustain those investments. And um, this runs counter to a lot of, I think, a lot of the the very kind of, probably in our circles, very popular talk about things like things being financially accessible, which I do think is important. Mm -hmm. But there are things that as a business owner, you have no business spending money on, If your business can't sustain those investments. And that's really hard to wrap our head around, especially when you're starting out and you think, oh, I would be successful. If only I could have a fancy Sharon (laughs) made logo that that would, right. You said earlier, like that, that would, you know, people are like, that would solve my problems. Or I get that with some of my more high-end work where people are like, oh, I really need this program in order to, to succeed. And I'm like, no, you don't Mm -hmm. like actually like this program is for people who already have some of these pieces in place and, and one of the indicators for that is that they can afford it. Um, And business is is weird like that because we actually have a very tangible way to know whether or not we're ready for certain things. Um, And it it makes people feel uncomfortable. um, And there's different ways to create financial accessibility with our work uh, without putting people in positions to make commitments that their business actually can't sustain yet um, there's my, I'm, I'm with you on the un- unpopular. Opinion <laughs> part. Of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it works
1: in the other direction too, where, you know, once you do get to a certain size and a certain profit margin and you're ready to expand and you have figured out, yes, this is a thing I'm good at. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to build my brand on. <laughs> then, then, you know, and you say, okay, Yeah, I now I'm looking around and I'm realizing that the level of my competition has changed now that like once you up level, you know, you're working now with like with and against other people who might be in your same your same niche um, who like once once you up level to that point where you're competing with other established people you know, who maybe do have a professional brand who have been doing this for longer, and you see, oh, wow, their work looks really consistent. And they're able to charge this much money. Holy shit. Um, you know, people don't, people tend not to spend a lot of money on things that don't look expensive. Another unpopular opinion.
0: <laughs> I um Oh, here, here's some, some live time feedback for Sharon. I made the, uh, Uh, our first official landing page with the new HBA branding and showed it to a mutual friend of ours who goes, shit, that looks expensive. (laughs) And I said, thank you. Perfect. It's really funny. My, uh, my one
1: liner as a freelancer, like gun for hire, what used to be, I make things look expensive and everyone loved that. (laughs) (laughs) It got me a lot of jobs, honestly.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's really good, Have You thought about also being a copywriter in addition. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Um, but it's true, and this is you know where we start to get to this next level in business, and, and and there are unpopular truths. And when we're talking about kind of branding and pricing and things like that, we're starting to look at things like sales psychology and how your bra- how brains work, whether or not we want them to work that way. They do work that way, mm-hmm. like um, and that's true. We don't tend to make investments in things that don't at the very least, create a feeling of reliability, which often comes from consistency and polish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I say like on some level, right? Like you don't have to like go on your Instagram stories and look perfectly polished. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're talking about. But like, you know, having and sending, I don't know, having a website that looks like you tried. Yeah, Yeah, I mean,
1: it goes a long way. And again, you know, yeah, maybe you do want to buy something from creative market as opposed to doing it yourself. You know, maybe like that might be a good choice. Like, yeah, it goes a long way to look like you're trying, especially in the early phases. Do you want to keep buying stuff from creative market when you start charging people for $10,000 coaching packages? Probably not. Uh, that's kind of, (laughs) there's a difference there.
0: I I mean, you know, we grew HBA to a six-figure product off of a logo I made in Canva, right? So this doesn't mean, you know, this isn't like, like, there's a starting point. Absolutely. (laughs) but (laughs) Right. Um, And now I'm like, great. And now HBA needs to look like what it is and what it's becoming, which is not something that was made in Canva. So yeah, there's it's an exciting moment, I think, to start to kind of think about that. And for those of you that are maybe newer, I hope you're really hearing what Sharon's saying too, which is that like creative market, Canva, gosh, I've gotten great help on Upwork in the past for little projects, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use Fiverr because I will not pay somebody five dollars for something. <laughs> um, but but that that there, these these do exist for for a reason, and that it's okay to start there. Um, This isn't about, this isn't like a snobby thing. This is just a, like, don't make these investments until you actually know that you want to to keep doing this um, and that you're ready to actually make that kind of commitment to your brand and to your customers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the flip side of this, I don't know if I've told you this story before, Sharon, I might have, is that when I was first starting out, I reached out to a brand designer and had no idea how much it would cost. I had no concept. They didn't have any pricing indicators at all um, on their forms or anything. Um, and was, of course, absolutely mortified <laughs> when I found out how much it would cost and couldn't afford it. So I think there's also, you know, a, a place to kind of keep in mind, you know, not that brand, not that we have to go with the adage of that if you have to ask, you can't afford it, but that if you're just starting out, like it's totally okay to not be in a position to hire somebody who is a brand expert to support your business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And the other thing that I want people to keep in mind is that, (laughs) you know, I think about this a lot coming from specifically a more like luxury, like cosmetics, beauty, fashion type of corporate background. Um, You know, a lot of a lot of these luxury products, it's like the brand often is what they're selling (laughs) more so than the product. So, of course, Mm -hmm. the brand is very, very important. Um, because it's an emotional sell, it's it's not so much a functional product. Um, it's more about the mm-hmm. reputation that this brand has, and how you feel about yourself wearing this brand, and what other people feel about you wearing this brand, and what you think you will get from wearing this brand. Um, it, it, which is, I mean, you know, no one likes this, <laughs> but this is the system that that like these these corporations have built, <laughs> and that's how people think about it.
0: Yeah, we're deeply indoctrinated into that. So even if we we question it or push against it, um, chances are your brain still operates on that level Mm -hmm. as well. It always makes me think of, it's been some years since I worked in fashion, but you know how most of those fashion houses make most of their money from $60 perfume Mm
1: -hmm.
0: sales. Mm -hmm. Right. That like, that, yeah, like, no, people are not buying the Chanel bag, but they're buying Chanel number five.
1: Yeah. And it's because they, and it's not because they're necessarily looking for a bag or a perfume. It's because they're looking for a piece of that brand and the piece of the ethos of that brand. They want to feel like a, like a Chanel girl. Right. (laughs) And that's. Did we have an HBA perfume? (laughs) Is that where we're going with this? Mm, Perfume bottle design. I haven't done that for a while. sounds
0: fun. It'd probably be like, it'd probably be a scented candle, I guess. That's oh, probably a little yeah. bit more like on. <laughs> I'm ready. Let well, me considering know. teak Dip, is one of my forever brand, brand influences and one of the ones that we use. Yes, totally.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And and teak is, is a great example of like, yeah, people want to be a part of this story, this beautiful, like, classic yet clean and modern, like, old world stylish uh nolita soho like image that this brand has super carefully curated um these heritage brands are you know i I never write off these heritage brands because it's like yeah they have so much brand equity built over so many years you know it's good to pay attention to i think it's it, it, it's silly to write off heritage just because, oh, they're part of this system and this uh you know luxury system and luxury system of values that I'm talking about, you know, it's like, well, they did something right, they like figured it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's something to learn here for sure. when people are starting to approach, let's say they are kind of at their beginning stages and they are like, all right, so I, I'm, I hear you, Sharon, I'm going to go to creative market. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at least to start. And I mean, and I'm saying that, like, I mean, this is like, I've done this for years, right? This is to, I really, one of the reasons I wanted to make sure Sharon came on the show is so that we could have an honest conversation about, like, what to expect in different phases in your business and when or times to start making these kinds of investments and what those goals should be. Um, but if, let's say we've got some witches listening to this show who want to give themselves a bit of a brand revamp, how do you recommend that they start to think about this um, if they're going to be doing kind of a DIY version?
1: Yeah. When you get to Etsy and you're wading through all of the like witch inspired logos, (laughs) you know, because trust me, I have done the market research and it's, it's, you know, if you don't, it's
0: all, it's all hands holding (laughs) crystal balls, right? Yes, it is.
1: (laughs) And it's all like purple on cream and yeah. So, um, the way rose
0: gold, (laughs) still, we, we still see the rose gold. It's
1: still out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Trends is a whole separate separate rant, but I digress. But yeah. So is when when you're there, when you're wading through it, and you're trying to figure out what to look for and what looks good and what you want to say. Um. Honestly, before you even get there, again, to me, it comes back to what is like. Even if you don't have your strategy and messaging nailed down perfectly, what is it today? And, or what are you planning on doing in the next few months? What are you planning on launching? You know, what's your competition looking like and kind of taking inventory of that. And, and in order to really zero in on what is appropriate for you and to help you find something that is really unique and you don't end up in the hole of like, oh, well, this looks like the coolest and the most people will like it. This is the best crystal ball. Um, instead of ending up in that hole of like, okay, what, what looks trendy and what will people like um, is really, again, coming back to feelings (laughs) and coming back to what do you want your audience to feel? What do you want your customers to feel with you? Um, And that's a little bit different for everyone. Um, Honestly, um, I recommend, as far as pinpointing what those feelings are, one great way you can do it from a more intellectual level is your values exercise in the HBA <laughs> framework, <laughs> um, which mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still in the 2.0 version, but I've come. Back to it. it is. It awesome. is. Because I've come back to it so many times. It's so useful to narrow it down. And the second thing to really like once you have those values and you have a direction, um, something that I love to give people who kind of like don't really. So it's like okay, you have these words, you have these values, but what do they even look like visually? an exercise that I love to give people is if you, if you had a physical location for your business, and even if you do, what would the ideal physical location be? Um, you know, it's like, yeah, maybe you have a store, but like, what if you could have it anywhere in the world? Where would it be? Uh, what if you could work with your coaching clients in like a cave? <laughs> you know, like, uh, if you had a waiting room to your office for your one-on-one clients, um, what would that office look like? Uh, would there be water in the waiting room when you want people, do you want it to be like very warm and cozy with like pillows for people to like be super comfortable or, are, or do you want people to have like a little bit of like a cold shower, <laughs> you know, um, like how do you want people to feel working with you? And there's, there's a, di- a big difference between if you want your customers to feel really comfortable and sued or if you want them to feel like empowered and challenged, these are all things to consider. And if you, and by doing this, um, you know, like you could, this, like vis- the, this, visualization of what kind of room would your business be um, that would make people feel the way that you want to feel, that would show your values. That's how you can start to connect it to the visual elements. Like if there's softness, yes, there are colors you can use that show softness. Um, if, you want some, if you want it to feel more intense, there's colors and, and fonts and accents that you can use to make it feel more intense. So that is a way, like literally, if you're a visualization person, if you literally imagine this, imagine this room and look around and see what's there, see what the the sensory elements are and start to look for those, start to look for those colors, those feelings, those shapes, those textures.
0: I love this exercise so much. And I know that I shared with you uh, that when I was a teenager, I always envisioned myself having a shop in the Lower East Side um, (laughs) that was like part, yeah, I know, (laughs) part bookshop, but also part clothing store, definitely, and probably also a coffee shop as well. Um, And I know now everything in New York is that, but this was like, oh, I'm older now. So this was before everything was also a coffee shop. It was very, like, I don't know, like, Betsy Johnson meets, like, St. Mark's meets, yeah, something dirty. Yes. And, and, like, I always envisioned it as being painted, like, black and acid green and covered in glitter. Um, and this is, like, the younger Sarah, <laughs> right? For sure. And what I love, of course, is that the HBA brand actually looks like the grown-up version. <laughs> right. And, like,
1: I remember this conversation, and I remember you said acid green, and I just, like, felt it. I, I was like, yes. <laughs> and it's and that's the thing like that's another thing is going back to your younger self like before you started thinking in terms of trends and what other people would like and who you should be and if you're a goth or a punk or whatever (laughs) before you started thinking about all that you know what did you like what was your favorite color um it's not to be discounted that's very deep and very personal and when you tie those deep and personal things into your brand that's what Makes a deep and personal brand.
0: And for the record, the HBA brand is a five thousand dollars flannel shirt. <laughs> That's like my, my go-to thought there. Obviously, yes. with some acid green accents. Um, for those of you that are curious as to how how we manifest that into into the visible realm, it's that. It's it's Mark Jacobs Perry Ellis. There you go. There's our <laughs> exactly <laughs> fashion reference. Right,
1: and it, and it was really fun because you know being able to to have you come to me saying okay i really, you know have you have this amazing taste and this luxury fashion background but at the same time you're you're saying but i need this to feel accessible this is for new business owners <laughs> like this can't feel super exclusive um and pinpointing you know grunge as kind of like the correspondence to that space of like yeah this is for innovators this is for people who are cool not because they're trying to be cool but because they don't care (laughs) that was really that was really fun
0: (laughs) we're talking about you guys listening by the way you guys are just cool not because you you don't even have to try yeah for real (laughs) we made it for you it's true (laughs) um yeah i I do love that exercise, Sharon. And I hope I, especially that idea of, yeah, what would your waiting room look like? Right. And that, that can be a really great, like entry point into those colors and to, until the feelings of the brand when merged with, with those ideas of values. Um, and then for folks who are like, okay, cool. Actually, I, you know, I'm a little bit more established. I've got a product that, that sells, I can make an investment. How do you recommend that people start to think about hiring someone like you?
1: Well, I think the first thing is to look at your competitors for sure, not because you want, you know, and I I guess competitors is like a loaded term, (laughs) right? But looking at your peers, right? And looking at and getting really clear on what it is that does differentiate you, because you probably know what it is at this point. Um, Getting really clear on that and then starting to look at uh, what your peers are doing, what their brand consistency looks like, kind of gather your your references and reference points, and like, ooh, this is where I want to be, or oh, this is not a direction I want to go in. That's all really valuable information for a designer. And then going and looking for designers who you resonate with. Most designers focus on you know their aesthetic. Like, oh, they focus on making really consistent aesthetically consistent work. And so this is, this is something that I've been grappling with lately, because I've realized that I'm actually not really a consistent aesthetic designer. It's like, there are definitely certain things that are really consistent. For me, the focus is more conceptual. It's more about the feelings focus. And to me, it's like, if your brand feels different, then it needs to look different also. <laughs> so for me, it's, it. I I love working like with with people like you, Sarah, who, who pay a lot of attention to strategy and are paying a lot of attention to like how they can innovate and do things differently. To me, that's so much more interesting than creating, like, okay, I'm going to do another like black and white brand with this specific like, trending typeface, um, which is what a lot of designers out there are doing. <laughs> I didn't come on here meaning to talk shit, but here I am. Spicy. Spicy.
0: Um, spicy. Spicy. <laughs>
1: yeah and at the same time, I totally used to do that. My old brand was one hundred percent black and white with a trendy typeface. <laughs> you know it's like I've also been there. this is the majority of my career. Um, but yeah, uh find a designer who's either uh, conceptual philosophy or their clientele if they've worked with uh if if you see like you know, a friend or someone you aspire to, like, be on par with has worked with this designer, check them out, see what their deal is, and you can, and you know, follow them, get a feel for, like, what their aesthetic is and how they work and what their philosophy is, um, and when you're ready, <laughs> take a bite, you know, um, inquire and see, see what they can do for you. <laughs>
0: And I really appreciate that distinction because I do think that I know when I was starting to think about branding, well, to be honest, when I was starting to think about branding, there was no one else I was thinking about. I was only thinking about you, Sharon. So that wasn't really the <laughs> um, but like in, but like in my, in my earlier days, you know, I would see that there were designers who had very consistent visions. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool, but then you're, I don't want my brand to look like other people's brand. Exactly. I want it to look like my brand. And that's, that's not a problem with the way that you work because it does start from this place of a feeling and, and the, the inspiration, and then all of your skills come into play instead of it being like, I do line drawn hands holding crystal balls right. or whatever. Poor, poor hands holding <laughs> crystal balls. Getting, the, 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 that's a really cute, it's a really cute aesthetic. I'm not trying to hate on totally. it at all. Yeah, I mean, these
1: trends are popular for a reason, to be clear, you know, people love them. And if you, you know, it's a great place. If you don't know where to start, like by all means, start there. Like it trends, trends are trending for a reason. They're very interesting to follow, in my opinion,
0: for that reason. <laughs> no, I, I love trends. I think trend I think trends are so fascinating, but yeah, I, I love that there is this distinction and that, yeah, you can kind of get a sense of how people work and you can ask them, right? I think sometimes when we start to make big investments in our business, especially with experts, um, it can be hard. To feel like we're allowed to ask questions, but you should be able to ask a designer how they work, um, and they should be able to tell you.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Look for transparency. Um, I I totally used to be guilty of this of kind of like hiding away, <laughs> being like, oh, it'll just happen, and it was out of fear of like, oh, I don't want people like invading my process and art directing over my shoulder because that's again the industry, that's the industry more the industry norm from where I came from. Absolutely look for someone who's transparent and who is going to be honest with you and who you can be honest with, yeah,
0: and I think we have to wrap up there because all I, I'm just like I could just gush about Sharon and how fabulous she is to work with. And oh, I just got to say something for for pros who who have deadlines and communicate effectively, like Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed you're allowed to have those things too, even when you're working with creative artists, it turns out. so thank you for that, Sharon. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, um, I'm kind of adding myself there. It's like I had to learn how to be more communicative, communicative as well. But Sharon, where can people find more about you and your work and get to know you better? Yeah, so I'm on
1: Instagram at Swale.studio. Swale is spelled S-W-A-I-L.studio. And my website is also swale.studio. And uh I'm also I've been spending a little more time on Clubhouse to my surprise <laughs> as an introvert. <laughs> um so I'm on there as well, Swale Studio. Or oh wait, my Instagram is without the dot. My <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh yeah, my Instagram is Swale Studio one word, no dot. <laughs> dot free. Dot free. The website has the dot, nothing else has the dot. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: We'll link that all up in the show notes. So you guys could just click the link and go there yes. without having to think. much you. better. <laughs> um, we'll make it, we'll try to make it as easy for you as possible. Sharon, thank you so much for sharing your spicy self with us today and um, helping us understand when, like what branding is, when we should be doing it, uh, when kind of at different stages in our business, we want to be using different kinds of resources. And, you know, ultimately that like, yeah, I think we, I really appreciate you kind of maybe removing some of like the shame around like starting out and not doing those kinds of investments and instead focusing on building a sustainable business so you can create a brand that really lasts. I appreciate your time and your
1: brilliance today. Thank you so much. It it was again, an honor to be here. So good to talk to you.
0: Oh, yay. Everyone listening, go and check out uh, Sharon at soil studio on Instagram, no dot guys, dot free zone, and make sure that you let us know what you learned from this episode. You can tag us over in your Instagram stories. If you learned anything exciting about branding, if you're pissed at us for talking about all the spicy stuff we talked about, I guess you could let us know that too. Um, But I, I prefer positive feedback only. That's a joke. And I appreciate you guys so much. We will see you here next week. Bye for now.